In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy Feast Day of the Dormition of the Holy Theotokos to all of us. This is undoubtedly the biggest feast day of the Mother of God. And I know that it's hard to see when the choir is standing up there, but you'll have to make sure that you make it a point to go up uh, when we're not in church and look at the back of the choir loft where we have written the icon of the Dormition of the Theotokos. And I want to wish all who celebrate their feast day today, all Marys, Marias, Panayotas, Panayotis, Vespinas, and there may be other derivatives of the Holy Theotokos' name, and I want to wish all of you many, many years. St. Thomas plays into this feast day kind of like he does in the resurrection. Uh, we don't know if he was the first Greek or if it was because he was sent to India, but we know that he was late coming back. And uh, I said, Father Thomas, you're so unlike your patron saint. He goes, what do you mean? I go, you're rarely late. And he took that as a compliment. But the history of this event doesn't, we have no recording of it in scripture. We only have it in the history of the church. Uh, it took place in a way after the events that were written in the gospels and it was not included in the Acts of the Apostles. We know that when the Holy Virgin Mary was about to fall asleep, an angel of the Lord came and told her that this was going to take place three days before it happened. And she was living in and around Jerusalem and she went up on the Mount of Olives and she prayed fervently to her Lord and her son. And when she came back to her home, the Lord acted in a very miraculous way. He took each of the apostles wherever they were preaching and teaching and working miracles and he picked them up by the power of the Holy Spirit on a cloud and he transferred them from where they were back to the Mount of Olives so that they could gather around the Holy Mother of God and she could bless them, she could say to them her goodbyes and then she fell asleep on that third day in their presence. And they with candles lit in solemn procession took her and entombed her. And then on the third day after the interment is when St. Thomas, again carried on a cloud by the Holy Spirit, came from where he was teaching and preaching in India to the place of the apostles. And they shared with him the events that took place. But again, like in the resurrection, he wanted and needed to see for himself. And so they took him to the tomb, and they moved away the stone, and the tomb was empty. And then she appeared to all of them. And she said that her Lord had granted her 
a bodily resurrection, the first after our Lord himself, and that what happens to her will happen to all believers on the last day, and that she has bodily been translated into heaven, and that she will remain fervently an intercessor for the church as she was in life, now after death. And so, my dear brothers and sisters, we look to the Holy Theotokos as a promise and with hope of what is going to happen to us, not in this life, but on the last day at the general resurrection. Our bodies will rise and be reunited to our souls, and we too will be translated into the never-ending kingdom. I want to read from a hymn of last night's Vespers. And this hymn talks a little bit about this feast, but I especially want you to take note of the perspective of the bodiless powers. Because they, as always, recognize the deeper meaning of divine things. And they help us to see clearly, more clearly, than may we, we would on our own, the significance of a feast day like today. This comes, as I said last night during Vespers, by the command of God, the God-bearing apostles everywhere were transported through the skies on clouds. And reaching your all-immaculate body, the, that origin of life, they kissed it and venerated it in a grand veneration. The supreme hosts of heaven arrived with their master and seized with awe, they ushered your inviolate body, which had hosted God, high above the earth. They went before you, and invisibly they shouted to the angelic orders above them, Behold, the queen of all, the mother of God has arrived. Lift up the gates and give a formal heavenly reception to the mother of the everlasting light. For the salvation of all humanity came through her. We are unable to gaze on her, and it is impossible to bestow worthy honor on her, for her excellence surpasses all understanding. Isn't that an amazing perspective? Notice that in every way they recognize her as the mother of God, the mother of the one who alone can save, the mother of the Lord of the lords and King of kings, the Savior of all. And in that role, they see her as the one who gave our humanity to the second person of the Trinity. That she beheld in her womb that which the entire universe cannot contain, which is signified by this icon. Now, I want you to notice that at one extreme end of our church is an icon of the Mother of God. And at the other extreme end of the church is an icon of the Mother of God. This one showing that she gives birth 
to the savior of the world, that which the universe cannot contain, and this one, showing that our Lord and Savior honors her as his mother by not allowing her to undergo corruption, but by raising her from the dead and translating her to heaven, and showing us the gift of what awaits us, so that we can look to him as Savior and look to her as the promise of our future. Now notice that she is taken up into the heavens and that all of the bodiless powers are in awe of her, a human being. I want to end my reflection on this feast day by reminding each one of us. Children, I want you to listen too because we now are sending you off to school. But each one of us goes every day into this fallen world, every day to our workplace, every day to attitudes and mindsets that do not really remind us of who we really are made in the image of God and called to be like God. We don't really get the message from the world that we live what God sees in us, why he created us, and what our ultimate destination is. Our homeland, my dear brothers and sisters, is not here. It is in the kingdom of heaven. And when the Theotokos was taken by our Lord and the angelic powers into her rightful homeland, you know what they proclaimed? That she is higher in honor than the cherubim and more glorious beyond compare than the seraphim. And this is what we also, each of us, are called to be in Christ. Not in and of ourselves, but in Christ. And so I want our takeaway not only be to honor her, her falling asleep, her translation into heaven, her role in the incarnation, but I want us to also honor the image of God in ourselves, to understand what God has called us to, where our true citizenship is, where our ultimate homeland is, and to live our life with that kind of human divine integrity no matter what the fallen world tries to tell us or how it tries to beat us down. So let us remember that if she is higher in honor than the cherubim and more glorious beyond compare than the seraphim, then we are called to be just like her as she imitates her son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.